Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that early childhood nerd podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Are you recording that, Heather? I was trying really hard. Okay, now we're recording. Hello, everybody. I was trying to sneak in some quick recording of Tiffany talking about her favorite underwear being on sale. It's $5 a pair today. I love me some packed organic. Oh, my God. All right. So, hi, I'm Heather. (laughs) Welcome to another episode of That Early Child Care Nerd, That Early Childhood Nerd. Oh, my God. Tiffany's here, but also... Alicia Schmidtke, did I say your name right? You did. Hello. Hello, she's here. She's in Texas, where it's probably hotter than here, but I hate it. I hate the summer. It's it's great. I go to the pool a lot. Oh, totally takes care of the heat. Yeah. I don't understand recreational swimming. Like, I guess just getting (laughs) in the water to avoid being hot. Right. I don't know. I I don't know. It's the only way to be outside. I get that. I, get I like it. it because you get a tan, but you don't no, get sweaty. Not this girl. And you like sort of get a workout, but you don't realize you're getting a workout. Sure. There you go. Okay. I did water walking once. <laughs> I took a class. <laughs> when I thought I needed to lose some baby weight. What? As a different girl in the 90s. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about a quote by David Elkind, who I love. Um, and are you reading this book right now, Alicia? The Hurried Child? Yeah, I haven't read, I have not read the whole thing, but yeah. I have started it, yes. Yeah, so when I say I love him, I should say, disclaimer, I've never read one of his books. But I've read <laughs> lots of articles. Yes. And I like all the Explorations Early Learning quotes that Jeff shares. <laughs> yes, that's, that's where I learned about this book. Yeah, so. mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, So the quote is, when children are pressured to grow up, important achievements are skipped or bypassed. Duh. Yep. Yeah. And there's another episode of that early childhood. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. No, I really, I I could go, this is a soapbox issue for me and and something that, that I will get really grouchy about probably. I already had kind of a grouchy head start today, but um, will, Alicia, will you say why you picked this one or what was on your mind when you picked this one? Sure. So um, just because I've been going through this book, some of those things have been on my mind um, and I've been kind of reflecting on when this became a reality for me, when I first learned about or understood the importance of all those little little achievements that kids have. And so that aha moment for me was several years ago, but um, I feel like I, um, I definitely had those moments where I, I rushed kids through things. And so now, you know, I took a lot of time to reflect that and 
pick out all of the little things we do during the day that are so important. And mm-hmm. so I just love to talk about those things that people might forget about or um, not even realize are really important for kids. Can I put you on the spot and ask you for an example? Yes. Something that even if it's just something you've changed your mind about or something that comes to mind when you think about this? Yeah, well, the biggest thing um, when I realized this that I tried to um, communicate with my staff at the time was getting kids dressed to go outside. Mm. So, you know, it was like, we have to get outside and we would rush, get on your coats, get on your boots, get on your snow pants, everything. Obviously, this is when I lived in Minnesota. (laughs) You don't wear snow (laughs) pants in Texas. There's no snow pants here. That's not what you wear to the pool. Um, but, um, yeah, just the time, it takes a lot of time to get all of that gear on to go outside and we would just rush kids through that. We got to get outside. We got to get outside. And then it was like, okay, let's stop rushing and let's let them try it. Let them do it. Um, and take, if it takes an hour to get dressed, then it takes an hour to get dressed, but they're they're doing it, they're accomplishing something, they're learning the process, and um, and then we'll go outside when we get outside, and it's not really a big deal. Mm-hmm. So that was, I don't know, that's one example. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a pretty common one, that getting your coats yeah. on to go outside. That's, uh, I mean, I'll be honest, that's one of my least favorite parts of the day when, I, you know, when, when it's relevant, because we're not putting on coats or snow pants right now in Indiana right now. either. Uh, well, no, that's not true. Some toddlers are putting on coats because they're in their cubbies and they want the coats on. They want them on. <laughs> <laughs> but even now, sunscreen or whatever. Right. It might be right. right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's not a, it's not something I love to do. And um, for me, the, the challenge with getting other people on board with slowing down during things like that is, you know, we share a playground space with other classrooms, other classes. So we really do only have that half hour space out there. So, but that just means I need to change what I'm doing inside the classroom. I don't have to wait until five minutes before it's time for us to be out there to start the process of getting kids ready. Mm -hmm. That's tricky. Um, So another thing on my list Mm -hmm. uh, was kind of actually something from a post that you had a couple weeks ago about um, kids wanting to like read the same book. Yeah. over and over and over again or play peekaboo over and over again mm-hmm. and a lot of I just think like I never tell kids no we're not going to read that book again or you know yeah we can't play this so we need to stop we need to do something else yeah. the importance of just taking the time to that repetition for them is just incredible and um letting them choose that yeah I mean, I think there, so I think a lot too about reading the same book over and over because again, I work with toddlers right now yeah, and that's their life is doing the same thing over and over. Um, I had the voice of one of them in my dreams all weekend, just saying tractor, 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 tractor. And I got to work this morning and he was like, tractor, tractor. Um, but anyway, because I hear that a lot. We just read that book. Put that away. Get me a different book. We just read that book. And in addition to the value of reading a book over and over 
just that feeling that you had this idea that you brought to someone important to you and they were like disgusted by your idea. You know what I mean? Like, uh, right? we're not yeah. reading that again, you idiot. <laughs> I mean, that may not be what we're saying, but that's certainly, I think, the experience that the children are having when we dismiss it. Even if we do it kindly, even if it's like, no, we just read that one. Why don't you find the farm book that you like? You know, still you're saying, mm, your idea is not worth it to me. I and there's no reason you can't. Oh, yes. that, that's right. Jump in. Okay, I live, yes. I live in analogies. Perfect. So living in the sitting in a room with someone trying to pick a Netflix and, <laughs> and you have an idea and they're like, nah. <laughs> like that feels bad. Yeah. Like, like it's all about that continuing the conversation. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you are the one to say no, you have shut down the interaction. Yes. And as an adult, I have coping mechanisms and skills that I've developed over several decades, <laughs> lots of decades, to help me deal with that feeling of rejection when they don't want to watch my Netflix choice. And I still, and I still I have a hard no. time with it, and it still has a little bit of an impact on me. So imagine these poor little people with just, a, you know, months of experience. And they're like, will it end the same way? Is it the same picture on this page? Right. Sometimes I turn two pages at once and it's a different picture than my <laughs> It changes the whole story. Yeah. And you can change your voices yeah. when you read the book or... Yeah. You know, it is... Sometimes I sing songs in the middle of books about what we're reading. So there mm -hmm. you go. Or stop to talk about something that you see instead of just the, like the picture or the illustration or something it reminds you of. Yeah, um, absolutely. There's lots of things that you can do to jazz up the 123rd reading of The Very Busy Spider. Yeah. For me, yes. it's Snuggle Puppy, but, like, I really love Snuggle Puppy right now, so that's okay with me. Is that Mo Willis? Um, right now, ours is or, I Am a Bunny. No. Oh, I don't know that one. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. It's, uh -huh. um, I don't know who the author is. The Very Busy Spider, I would read a bajillion times without, our, the one that the kids want right now is Where Do Diggers Sleep at Night, which I am thoroughly sick of, but we have construction going on everywhere around our center. So mm -hmm. diggers and excavators and tractors, tractors, mm -hmm. tractors, tractors. Yes. How do you cope life. when it's not just a book you've read a bunch, but a book that you like, don't really like? Mm. Well, I just don't I have think any this, of those in the room. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I think this speaks back to like... They meet with an unfortunate or, accident. For me, it's like... It's the getting ready to go outside feeling. Like, mm -hmm. I don't like the prep. I just want to be outside. Mm -hmm. How do you cope with that feeling when you know that the kids need extra time with it? Or you know you're the one who waited too long to start this process? Oh. Hmm. Um... Do a lot of self-shaming. <laughs> so healthy coping. I mentally curse myself. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but but I, mean, I think there is just a lot of, wait a minute, this is on me. Like, And maybe it's halfway through when I realize that my irritation level is kind of up. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I've grabbed someone's coat and shoved their arm in it without involving them. Or... You know, that uh, I, it's just, I just have to say, you know, this, this was your creation to myself. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. But Change I'm it sure next time at least. Yeah, um, I'm sure there were parts of my career where I was not thinking I was the one who had done it. I'm sure there were times where I was just like, oh, this is the center's fault for this stupid schedule, or oh, this is this age group is so difficult. Yeah. Or if my co teachers would just get their butts in gear. <laughs> yes. Mm hmm. I find myself wondering, like, where did I miss the cue when I'm that frustrated? Mm -hmm. Like, hey, we had a great moment to do this, and I missed it. Mm. That happens to me frequently. Yeah. Especially with the reading the book over and over and over again. Like, there was that kid seeking engagement, and I missed it. Like, that dropping the ball feeling. How do you keep the ball going? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good one, Tiffany. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I don't, I don't have an answer for that because I just, yeah. I mean, it's what we've said. I, I try to use that as learning or reflection the next time maybe, mm -hmm. but in yeah. the moment, there's not, there's not a whole lot. You can change your mindset, I guess, mm -hmm. in that moment, but. You might there, not get outside any faster. That's true. There have been <laughs> yeah, times, yeah. there have definitely been times that I've just stopped what I'm doing and said, oh my gosh, Miss Heather is grouchy today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have a friend who had a code that when her co-teacher hit that moment, she'd be like, you need a chocolate break. And they had a special <laughs> chocolate spot. Oh. Similar to when like the Dementors have come. Like, you need a chocolate break. <laughs> chocolate boards off Dementors? Harry Potter? Yeah, I know I what dementors are. I just didn't know that chocolate, chocolate did anything. Away. Oh. Yeah. Stores your faith in humanity, essentially. Fun fact. Well, like, hmm. I think sometimes it really does. I'm going to give yeah. myself a piece of chocolate. I'll be checked in mentally in a second. <laughs> <laughs> I think that works with the book grading, though. Sure. Like, you hit that moment where you just want to be like, no, I'm tired of reading. Yeah. Well, what was you, it? What? Tractors at night? Where do diggers sleep at night or something like that? Like, yeah. you get that, like, I don't want to read it again. You can say, like, I'm going to be right back. <laughs> and well, then you can continue you think, after chocolate has been inserted. Do you think it's okay <laughs> to say... Oh, boy, I'm really tired of that. Could we read something else for a minute, and then we'll read this again later? Is that different? Yeah. That's a real question, because I do that, too, sometimes. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with suggesting a different book, but if your suggestion is forceful, yeah. like you have to pick a different book, that's different. Or if you just never repeat read. Like, if you're just always the person who's, like, we just read that. We yeah. don't need to read that right. again. You just heard that book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it can be done tactfully, too. Yeah. Like, you can say, ooh, I think I need a break from this book. Mm -hmm. Will you go ask Alicia if she wants to read it? Oh, I've she definitely, it I've definitely yes. sent the book across the room. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That works when there's more than one teacher. That yes, yes yeah. that's the prerequisite yeah. there. Or different age groups. So uh -huh. I've sent it to, like, the four-year-old who can't actually read the book, but knows, knows the book well enough that they can kind of, like, look at the pictures and get through it. Mm -hmm. And 
they they'll read to the two year olds. That's, That's okay. A fun idea. Mm-hmm. So when I read this, what this quote, what came to mind for me? Because I I, I mean I did family childcare for like a year and a half, but otherwise mm-hmm. all of my direct care has been in childcare centers where everything is very linear, and you're an infant until you're a one year old, and you're a one year old until you're a two year old, and um, too many times what I see is. The people in, and I'm in a one-year-old room right now, so the people in the one-year-old room think their job is to make two-year-olds and yes. and, and send them on. So, like, um, one day I came in to a classroom where there it was supposed to be one-year-olds, but there were, like, some two-year-olds who couldn't move up yet because there wasn't room, and there was a sticky note on the cupboard that said the two-year-olds shouldn't have lids on their sippy cups anymore. Um because they were two, and to be in the two-year-old room, you don't get sippy cup lids, so we're pressuring them to grow up, I think is, is what it feels like to me. Like, what is the big deal about that being two, and who cares if they want a lid? Give them a lid. And, or, yeah, you know, taking bottles away from infants just because they're almost ready to move into another room, or... Um, training them to sleep on cots instead of cribs, and all that kind of stuff. I had... Uh, a floater teacher in my classroom several weeks ago who was like, we're really going to work on cleaning up because I know that the teacher in the room they're moving to is really going to be bugged that they don't help clean up. And uh-uh. and that kind of, I mean, many levels. That one was still <laughs> oh. But that's what it, where my mind went with this quote <laughs> was this tendency in, in childcare to try to teach them to be the next thing instead of appreciating where they are, what they are, and what they need now. If you're not listening to them, you aren't actually hearing what they're saying. So, right. like, if you're so focused, I'll use my son as an example because he's 14 months and really cute. Um, Move here, I'll he be his teacher. Kept, he kept trying to rub his hands on his poop every time I changed him. <laughs> and if I hadn't stopped to listen and, like, given him a wipe and actually tried to actively problem solve with him, I would have just been pissed and, like, why won't you let me change your diaper? Instead of, instead of, like, thinking and paying attention to that cue of, like, him wanting to be an active participant. Right. If you're so focused on what comes next, you're missing, like, what's actually happening now. Yes. And I think you risk, again, that you risk teaching them that their ideas are stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, sure, we don't want kids putting their hands in poop, but it's not the end of the world. There are remedies for poopy hands. Yes. <laughs> and if you give them a wipe, they'll wipe for you. They'll wipe for you. Yeah. It's a win-win. Quote of the day. <laughs> they'll wipe for you. That'll be the name of the episode. You give them a wipe, they'll wipe for you. <laughs> but I guess what I'm trying to say is how many times do we misinterpret what children are trying to say? Yeah. As our own frustration with the moment when we could be hearing them saying, like, I want to help. I'm an equal participant. Sure. Well, that goes yes. for, for me to what is your view of the child? Sorry, Alicia, did you have something you wanted to say? No, go ahead. Um, if, if your view is that they are somehow deficient and your job as a teacher is to fix those deficiencies and they stick their hand in their poop while you're changing the diaper. I'm so glad you shared this. So this can be the analogy for the rest, the example for the rest of the episode. Can you hear him outside the room? Uh-huh. Telling then, us how he feels about yeah. being used as an example. 
<laughs> we should have involved him in the decision. I'm sorry. Oh, God. Anyway, what I was saying was, before your son so rudely interrupted me, is if I if I already believe that they're deficient and my job is to fix that, then I'm going to say, oh, he's doing this because he's being disgusting or he's doing this because, um, you know, whatever, he's impatient or he won't be still. Or, that's what, But if my view of a child is they are explorers and they are competent and they are human, then I'm going to take the time to do just what you said, Tiff, and look for what are they trying to tell me in this process. And, uh, God, which job would you rather have? One of those jobs sounds really terrible, and one sounds really amazing. Yeah, because you're actually working with them, teaching them something instead of, I don't know, teaching at them or, yeah, like, just disciplining them for right. something that they can't even understand yet. Yeah, because there would be people who would think that was misbehavior. Absolutely. And, and think this yeah. is a, this child is doing wrong. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with crying mm -hmm. or, you know, for younger children when they, they can't even talk yet, but clearly they are trying to communicate something with you and mm -hmm. it's usually not that difficult to figure out what I know. <laughs> And, or, oh gosh. Um, you know, if they, they aren't crying and they aren't really, really speaking yet, they might show you what they want, but mm -hmm. it does take a lot more time. It takes a lot more investment and engagement to figure out what they're needing, they're looking for. Um, but they might, they'll show you it's, it's just takes a little bit, um, more being in tune with them, I think. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. The idea of it being an investment. For us to slow down yes. and mm -hmm. and make sure that we're not skipping, you know, what David Elkind said, the important achievements by, mm -hmm. by this push to get to be older and bigger mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Um, because I think a child who learns early that people who are important to me or people that I'm dependent on for basic stuff... Um, think I'm important enough to listen to me and to slow down for me are going to be less demanding about the ways they try to get those messages across as they get older. And the ones who have learned I have to fight harder to get myself heard are going to fight harder to get themselves heard. Yeah. And, yes. and that's our investment showing itself or our lack of investment showing itself. Mm -hmm. I think another way that we can put show them that investment is through different conversations. So whether they can talk or not, like we said, just um, communicating with them as we're doing things with them. Uh -huh. um, I think a big one that we rush kids through or we, we kind of uh, overlook is when kids ask why. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know why? Because, well that, that doesn't tell them anything that doesn't mm -hmm. teach them anything. And like that, that's something I had, I had written down that I just, I really um, think that continuing that conversation with them is so important. And I, I stopped a long time ago shutting kids down when they asked why, and I would just yeah. answer them. And it was 30 times. Why, 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 you know, I would give them an answer. Why? <laughs> I'd give them an answer. Why? And I'd give them a different answer every time. I wouldn't repeat myself. And, <laughs> um, or I would try not to uh -huh. at least. <laughs> and um you know 
I think they just they're I think they're trying to have a conversation, but they don't know how. Yeah. And so if you just keep answering them, then they're going to learn how to have a conversation and they're going to see that that's really important in a relationship to have those valuable conversations. Yeah, that's been a theory of mine for a long time that kids don't always necessarily ask why because they want to gain information. They want to keep you going in this back and forth that they see you and other adults having and they just don't quite not know, know how to do it yet. Yeah, absolutely. And it works every time. Look at their success rate. Fine. <laughs> Look and at every their time success they rate. always get feedback. <laughs> yes. Okay, I think so, I agree with that entirely. So let me let me ask you and, and this is a little off topic, but on the topic of kids asking why. Sure. So I was um I was actually doing a podcast recording with another uh, friend of mine and we were talking about this. I think it was in the context of STEM or something like that. And I said something like being annoyed when adults make up wrong answers or try to, you know, think it's funny to, to, like, why is this? I think about Calvin's dad from the Calvin and Hobbes cartoons. There was one where he said, um, why, you know, where does the wind come from? And his dad said, because the trees are sneezing, um, which was funny in a cartoon. But, but I was like, you know, that's sort of disrespectful to take a kid's question and, and turn it into your own personal joke. But she disagreed with me. She thought that was like sort of family myth making and, and maybe it's OK. Yeah. So while hmm. it's on my mind, I want to see what you guys think about that. I know Calvin's pretend. I, don't so know. I think Calvin's pretend. <laughs> and I know his dad was just being an impatient smart ass, so. Sure. Right. Mm. Well, I we think can, that it's very context-based. Yeah. I'm thinking about it right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because my first reaction is to always give the real answer, but if mm-hmm. you don't know it, like there's value to that. Like, can we make up funny things together? Mm-hmm. Is it the like coming up with this? That's that's what you're going for, or you genuinely want to know what where the wind comes from? Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. It would depend on the child and what you know about the child, I guess. Yeah. But if their goal is just to have that conversation and not necessarily to get that information, then that's still a conversation. And if you're laughing while you have the conversation, then that's. Sure. It's good imagination. Yeah. (laughs) And one of my wonders. Go ahead. One of um, my old staff members used to tell the kids, if you eat your crust, it will or you can jump fences, but we never actually made the kids eat the crust. It was just like right. something funny she told them. Uh-huh. And I thought it was hilarious because yeah. it's like, they knew that that wasn't true. Like we knew that they knew that wasn't true, but like they would laugh and they'd be like, now I can jump the fence. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I guess know, that was great. Yeah. So I guess it depends like so many other things on the intention of the adult is where I'll land on yeah, this. Yeah. If the intention is just that kind of fun group social experience sort of relationship building and laughing that's one thing if the goal is to make fun of the kid for asking the question or to shut them up because you're tired of the whys then we don't like it and i would argue how either one of those situations if you just say no stop or if you say it's because the trees are sneezing results in the same dead end of conversation if if that second mindset is where you're coming from Yes, yeah. you have to bring in that improv mindset, that yes and. Mm-hmm. I think it's because the trees are sneezing. <laughs> what do you think? Like, that answer, 
answer invites yeah. continued conversation. Uh-huh. And if they're asking sure. you why a million times, it's because they want to continue the conversation. Not because yeah. they actually right. care why, but because right. they want it to keep going. So, like, how are you going to engage in a way that makes you personally want to keep going? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Well, now I'm going to bring in a, a story that will maybe embarrass my friend Sarah, but I like it. Because when she and her sister were little, they used to hit each other in the back of the head all the time. And her dad would tell them, their dad would tell them to stop it. And she asked why. And he was like, because there's a bone in the back of your head that if you hit it just right, you'll kill somebody. And then she went to her college, like anatomy class or something, and asked the professor to show her where the bone was that would kill you if you So maybe at some point we need to clarify some of these myths that we tell children right. before, they, before they go to college. Maybe. Know. Okay, sorry. I just There's that like twinkle story. in your eye. You know? Yeah. You get that twinkle in your kids yeah. and the kids are like, is that real? And you're like, I don't know. Yeah. What do you yeah. think? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. We're way off uh-huh. now, but way off topic. But yeah, my dad told my kids That's- that he invented the number seven and... <laughs> Um, I, was, I was adopted from Ernest of the Ernest movies. <laughs> so that probably We're falls your real family. family Ernest is your real dad. <laughs> oh, God. When they asked my dad why his hands were so big, he said, because I poop on them. <laughs> We've not confirmed whether that's truth or family myth-making. <laughs> But now you have a glimpse into where I came from <laughs> and why poop is always funny. Um, okay, so what else about <laughs> pressuring children to grow up and hurrying past the important um, achievements? Can I get on my soapbox for a minute? Please. This quote speaks to something that is my current soapbox. Mm-hmm. Children have a right to be accepted, not just tolerated. Mm-hmm. And if you aren't giving them the time to accept them and be in them with that moment and willing to negotiate and problem solve and answer the whys and read the book, then you're not really accepting who they are right now. Mm-hmm. Mic drop. Done? The end. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think we've talked about this. I'm sure we've talked about this before. I bring it up like every because, episode, I'm sure. Because... It, it drives me crazy when the only way we think we can advocate for quality early experiences is by saying, oh, but when they're adults, we'll be able to get something out of them. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, oh, they'll be better yeah. citizens and they'll be, um, you know, better workers and they'll help the economy. Okay, but right now they're three and they deserve good things because they're human and they're three. And, mm-hmm. and, yes. Um, so that kind of drives me crazy. I read somewhere something that they don't like. It's probably Dan Gartrell, who writes a lot about guiding behavior, but he said he doesn't like the word patience. He doesn't like when people say you must be so patient when you work with children because it implies there's something negative to be tolerated instead of just that we understand children and so we're okay with them. (laughs) We get what's going on. It's not so much patience as it is we just get what's going on, and that's cool. Sure. And maybe that, in that falls context, in here. For sure. Yeah. When it's when it's thought of in a negative way at least, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm writing it down. That's why outlaw patients, but yeah, no, <laughs> that it just made me stop and think that. Oh, okay, I guess there's something to that because a lot of times when people tell me, "Oh, you're so patient," what they mean is I wouldn't want to be dealing with what that kid's doing right now. <laughs> right. Yes, I hear that a lot. Uh huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I get that it's a compliment to me, but it's not a compliment <laughs> to the kid that's doing whatever. I mean, I, I think I think there's a whole, we talk all the time about rushing children and the whole school readiness, garbage, and the academic pushdown. That all falls into this, too. Right. Yeah. Um, I was also thinking about just those real little moments that you have during the day. I was with one of my friend's little girls. She's two. And we were walking out of a store to the car, and she was holding my hand. And, you know, I was just kind of directing her towards the car and she was pulling me across the parking lot because she saw a median in the parking lot with a curb and then the grass inside and she wanted to walk on the curb she likes to balance on the the edge yeah yeah and so I could have just nope we're going to the car but we were not in a hurry to get anywhere Mm -hmm. it really didn't matter it took an extra two minutes maybe to walk over there, she walked, like, just around the edge of the curb a little bit, and then she was satisfied, and then we walked to the car, and it was not a big deal, but that, you know, I just think little experiences like that mean so much to kids, mm-hmm. and when we can engage with them and let them just have that fun and a little bit of freedom <laughs> wherever we go, uh-huh. um, I just, I love those moments. Those are, like, my favorite moments with kids, where it's just in very spontaneous. Yeah. I think we have to, we have to get over ourselves because it may not make like, we don't, so walking on a curb, what that's fun for you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, so I think a lot of it sometimes is not that we're mean spirited or have bad intentions or, you know, wicked people, wicked, evil people (laughs) or wicked. Anyway. Um, uh, it's that we don't understand. Or we, right. don't, we don't slow ourselves down because we're also rushing to the next thing for ourselves, whether that's mm-hmm. getting to the car or making it to the playground while it's still our turn or, mm-hmm. you know, checking to see if the lunch cart's here yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. You've got to put on that curiosity mindset everywhere you go. Yes. What What is it about this experience on the curb? That is so appealing to you. Are you Mm -hmm. dealing with your, like, as soon as you start answering questions and getting curious about that little moment, suddenly you have this, such a deeper understanding and appreciation of that human being that you spend so much time with. Mm -hmm. Whether you get an answer to it or not. Right. Curiosity is key. Not getting an answer to it all the time. No. Right. But they're curious too. So letting them try to find an answer whether they find right. it or not also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, which, which, which job sounds like a better way to spend your day? <laughs> the person who's constantly yeah. pulling children away from their ideas and getting annoyed or the person who's curious about these weird ideas <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and watching and learning and enjoying it. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a pretty easy answer for me, which job I'd rather have. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, same. (laughs) Same. All right. Well, then it's agreed. That's what we'll do. (laughs) Settled.
shackled. The other thing that I thought about with this is, well, no, there were two other things, but we kind of talked about one. But, like, especially with toddlers, infants and toddlers, when you're changing, like, I had to do all the diaper changes today because my co-teacher hurt her back and couldn't do any lifting. So I changed 50 diapers today. And um, I was tired of it by the end. Um, But it's not their fault that I'm tired of it. And it's still their body that I'm trying to get up onto a changing table and get through the process. And it's their butt that's up in the air while I'm trying to change them in a room full of people. And mm-hmm. I have to I have to slow down and be mindful and be respectful and make sure that their humanity is intact through each diaper change. Yeah. Even though it's inconvenient mm-hmm. for me. And even though I've got nine more diapers to do when I'm done with this one. So that was one hmm. thing I thought I wanted to preach about. <laughs> <laughs> or washing hands. You know, we have to wash hands a bajillion times in a licensed child care center every day. Like, technically, we wash our hands when we come in from the playground. And then if they touch anything before they get to that table for snack, they have to wash their hands again. And if they touch something on their way over, they have to wash their hands. In Washington, <laughs> you're supposed to wash your hands halfway through a diaper change. How do you what? do that without taking you your hand that? off a child? Because in Indiana, you got to have a hand on the child at all times. Right? <laughs> uh. Halfway through, huh? Uh-huh. So it takes two people to change a diaper? <laughs> <laughs> it really seems like that, yeah. You've got to have a sink, like, you've got to have a bidet for infants. <laughs> you just hold them over. <laughs> <laughs> just stick your hand under to wash it quick. <laughs> yes, exactly. Can you wear gloves and then change your gloves? Does that count? I mean, that's what we do in Indiana. I don't even know. It's so intense over here. Yeah. No, probably no. Probably yes and no. You're supposed to wear gloves and then take them off and then put them on again. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, wait. Wow. Regulations, man. Good and bad. Yeah. say now yeah um the other thing that i thought about and maybe this should be the last thing we go last direction we go because <laughs> we're at like 40 minutes and i didn't split it up into two so um episodes but so i think when i think about children are pressured to grow up important achievements are skipped or bypassed i think about um motor and language skills especially because those are the ones we can see and measure when they learn yes. new words or they get a new motor skill but the cognitive and the social and emotional stuff isn't as easily mm-hmm. visible to us. And so maybe those are some of the things that get skipped or bypassed because we're so focused on, oh, well, she crawls now. So the next thing's going to be pulling herself up. So I'm going to yes. grab her by yeah. her arms and pull her shoulders out of her socket and walk her around the room. It's like confirmation bias. If you're looking for it, that's yeah. what you see. Right. Yeah. Hmm. But. Yes. <laughs> how do we so, man never mind that's a whole other episode I was going to say so how do we how do we get past that only looking for the two skill areas because the, they're the easiest ones to speak but that's a different episode next time <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on the next next time that early childhood nerd whatever it's called um, okay well any last thoughts either of you on this one it makes me want to go back I think that you're in the everything. present yeah. of every child that you're with what be oh thankful. Be, be, be thankful. thankful okay 
Okay. And you are in the presence of every child that you're with. Uh-huh. Engaged in every moment. Yeah. Hard to mm-hmm. do. Like one of those great posters with like the ocean. <laughs> Engage. Engage. Be thankful. <laughs> All right. Well, Tiffany's poster series will be available <laughs> on Etsy. <laughs> when this podcast airs. No, kids teachers pay teachers. Let's be real. Teachers. <laughs> teachers. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be looking for those posters. Get on it. All right. Well, that's all. I think I think we've done all we can do here. <laughs> Thank you, Alicia. Thank, Thank you, Tiffany. You. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh. Hey, we need your support to keep the podcasts flowing. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash support to learn how. One of the big things you can do is shop Amazon with the link we provide. You buy your cat food, you buy your kids' books, you buy whatever it is you buy on Amazon, you pay the regular price. We get a small percentage of it. Everybody wins. A lot of people are doing it. It really supports the shows, and we really appreciate it. Give it a try. Thanks.